the coolest kids on the ship are the ones who are good shipmates, you know, are the ones who are always there for you, are the ones who pull their weight, who don't leave a mess, who aren't annoying. Working hard and knowing your lines, literally knowing your lines, there's 187 of them on the ship, was cool. Because there are times when if the wind comes up and somebody's aloft working on a sail and the captain yells, hands to the fill in the blank line, that's gotta get cast off immediately or that person could die. Like something could happen bad. From the studio of Rule 29, I'm Justin Ahrens. And I'm Wills Francis, and this is Design Of. Justin, uh, tell us a little bit about our guest today. Our guest today is a good friend of mine, Kristen Ellison, and I've known her for years, which you'll find out here about shortly. But Wills, I want you to notice, I, I walk into this room, I turn the microphone on, I'm kind of setting things up, and she starts messing with me right from the top. You can't, you can't, you can't move that. Why? I set my microphone on there. It's like both of you. You're a little salad. Is that going to distract you the whole time? No, I'm just being your friend. Okay. <laughs> you are my friend. Thank you for being my friend, by the way. <clears throat> so, Kristen, thank you for joining the show. Thank you. I'm really excited. Why are you smirking? I don't know. <laughs> Do you get nervous when you're on the mic or on camera? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't see that being a thing for you, typically. Uh, it is, for sure. I don't like speaking in front of people. Really? Yeah. Kristen is an East Coast girl who has led quite the adventure, as you will hear. Grew up in Connecticut and went away to boarding school in New Hampshire, um, which a lot of people feel sorry for me about, but actually it was pretty awesome. I think it gave me a lot of my independence. And um, went to college in upstate New York and then moved to Boston. And I was in Boston for 23 years total. Um, Halfway through that, I traveled. But it's really what I've always felt was home in the past. And then five years ago, this opportunity to work for LinkedIn, or lynda.com at the time, fell in my lap. Lynda is a leading online learning platform that helps anyone learn business, software, technology, and creative skills to achieve personal and professional goals. Through a variety of subscription options, you can watch and learn practically any business skill you might need. Wills, have you ever been on lynda.com? I have actually, I've taken a few classes. And I think this creative way of teaching and storytelling not only fit Kristen perfectly, but was exactly what she needed at that time. You told me a story and I'd love for you to tell it again if you would. And it was, uh, you're at a moment in your life, if you can talk about how you got there, where you decided that you were gonna go on an adventure on the ocean. I was, so I was 29. Of course, all good things happen, Wills, when you turn 29. Of course. And all of my friends were getting married, and my brother had gotten engaged, and gotten married, and gotten pregnant, and gotten into med school, and graduated. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And, Everybody was having these moments, these, these milestones. And I was just working. And life was good, it was fun, but I 
was not having these milestones. And I had moved to Boston with three girlfriends and we all got an apartment. And within the same three months, they each had one got married and moved to Colorado, one got married and moved to the Burbs, and one fell in love with a Swedish guy and moved to Sweden. And I thought, I need to have my moment. And I'm going to need to create that moment for me because it's not love right now. And so I decided that I was going to take myself on an adventure. I had traveled with my brother in Africa for a summer just backpacking and I had done a trip to, or I'd done a semester in Asia. So I was really comfortable on the road and I loved going to faraway places. And I found a four-line ad in the back of Outside Magazine saying, sail around the world on a tall ship. Um, I thought to myself, that's ridiculous. That can't be real. Wills, do you do you even know what a tall ship is? Yeah, of course. I mean, there's ships, and then there's taller ships, and tall ship <laughs> is obviously the latter. Nice. Well, for those who really want to know what a tall ship is, it's a large, traditionally rigged sailing vessel. And rigging, if you don't know Wills, is a system of ropes, cables, and chains which support a sailing ship or a sailboat's mass. A tall ship is typically a large vessel over 40 meters or 130 plus feet in length. Oh, the more you know. See, there you go. I was sitting on a bike at Bally's, like an exercise bike, reading Outside Magazine, and I thought, oh, I'll call the next day. You know, I'll check it out. And the woman I, I called and she said, um, well, you really, if you're really interested, you need to speak to the captain. I was like, well, I could be the cook. And uh, she's like, well, I'm not sure, sure about that. You know, it's... 19-month voyage, there's going to be 42 people on the ship, it's a 200-year-old coal stove. I was like, all right, fine. And I spoke to the captain, and he said, well, you know, if you're really interested, you should probably come up and see the ship. The ship was not at all finished. She was in Lunenburg, Nova Scotia, which was a 16-hour drive from Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, I got in my Jeep Wrangler with no radio, and I drove 16 hours up to see this thing. Um, and there were no masks. It was rusty. There was a refrigerator on deck. I mean, it was, it was funny. So they were, were rehabbing the boat yes. for this voyage. Okay. It had been <clears throat> limped across the Atlantic, pumping it out the whole time so it didn't sink. It was in um, South Street Seaport in New York for several years. Uh, while they were working on it and trying to raise money to work on it, but it was going so slowly that it got a nickname. It was the ship's name is the Picton Castle, and they were calling it the Fiction Castle. And then finally, South Street was like, you got to get out of here. You're an eyesore. It may not seem like this ship will amount to much, but just you wait. There was this captain who had a boat called the Yankee, and the Yankee used to uh, was featured in National Geographic in the 50s. The Yankee, built in 1919, was purchased by Irving and Exe Johnson in 1946. With the Johnsons, Yankee sailed the Caribbean and made four global circumnavigations with amateur crews on a shared expense basis. Each of these voyages was from Gloucester, Massachusetts, westward around the world via the Panama Canal, and around the Cape of Good Hope and back to Gloucester, and took exactly 18 months. The Johnson's final voyage in the Yankee 
made in 1956 to 1958, was featured in the 1966 CBS National Geographic television special Voyage of the Brigantine Yankee. It was scored by Elmer Bernstein and narrated by Orson Welles. And people would join this guy and his wife, and they had to work, and they also were on the boat. So it was inexpensive to join, and they were part of the process. They weren't passengers. And then the first mate from the Yankee did it on his boat, the Romance. And my captain was his first mate. And so it's been this lineage, and the captain of the Yankee, the original captain, had actually worked on um, trade ships back in the day. So the neat thing is that we learned all of the traditional seamanship, um, sewing sails. We had uh, tree, like tree trunks on our deck in case a mast or a yard broke. And we actually did have a yard break, which is the horizontal piece on a tall ship. And when we were in Zanzibar, and so we pulled out the chainsaws and made a new one out of it. We had two on deck for the whole voyage. So it was a very traditional experience. We, I slept in an area with 18 people, and we held four-hour watches, and we stopped probably 40 times as we sailed around the world. And in some places, we stayed a month while we were working on the ship because the ship would get really beat up. So we, would, we were in Fiji and Bali and Cape Town for a month each. So Things it was incredible. Thing. No, and you're with amazing people. So the ship obviously gets done, and then you know, you're out to sea. And well, can you remember that first day? What was that first day like when you cast off? Oh, it was crazy. So we had been a month late leaving, two months late leaving. So it's now end of November, and we are leaving Lunenburg, Nova Scotia. And as the year gets into the winter, the, the weather on the ocean gets worse. So we um, just had to go. And it was like, the weather is going to be awful. Some of the people on the ship had never even been to sea before. One person said to me, I don't even know if I get seasick. I'm like, you signed up for 19 months and you don't even know if you get seasick? Okay. And so we set out, and that first night it was blowing a gale. It was bad. And I was on the 8 to 12 watch, and I got 8 to 12 p.m. Okay. And well, both. That's how it works. And um, when I. When you're on the watch, you mean you're. Looking for things in the water? You're taking the helm. You're doing forward lookout. You're doing ship checks, meaning you're walking the entire ship on deck and below deck to make sure nothing is knocked over or fire is catching or there's anything loose. Um, You're dealing with the sails. Everybody else is off duty and sleeping or whatever they want to do. And so that first night, I walked up to the quarter deck and the mate was, you know, putting people to work. And he's like, all right, Kristen, you're on the helm. Like, it's a 180-foot ship. I'm on the helm. <laughs> it's blowing, you know, 40 knots. Um, so, yeah, it was crazy. And we had to go up into the, up into the rig to 
stow sails and there are no um, harnesses. So I had on long underwear, car hearts, oil skins, sou'wester, boots, Icelandic sweater, like I was a tick. And I'm climbing in the pitch dark up these rope ladders and stepping out over the deck with nothing holding me on, with a sail hitting me in the face. So it was, it was an interesting first watch. We got sent below at midnight um, because we got relieved by the next watch. And at three in the morning, the second mate came to my bunk and said, hey, Kristen, can you help pull Mildred's leg into alignment? And I said, um, I'm a little squeamish, but okay. And one of my shipmates had been walking to, across the deck to get sick. And the ship rolled really hard and she stumbled and shattered her ankle. Oh. So we, I had to hold down her shoulders and other people were holding down her body while the doctor was pulling her leg into alignment. Um, and that, did you stay on the, on the boat, did you? Well, we had to um, turn the ship around and go to Halifax and where the hospital was. And when we got to the dock, there was an ambulance waiting and she went directly into surgery. So she joined us in Tahiti. So she did come back, and Mildred at the time was in her 50s, I think. Um, we ended up being stuck in Halifax for at least a week because it was blowing 90, and we were banging ice out of the rig with baseball bats and wearing hard hats, and it was fairly miserable. Um, but Did you have any doubts at that moment, if you made a bad decision? Uh, yeah, I did. In fact, I had, um, years before I had done a semester in Asia, as I had said, and I studied with Tibetans, and Tibetan Buddhism was the one, is the one religion that's ever made sense to me. And so I went and got a tattoo of one of the Tibetan symbols on my back, which has to do with reincarnation. And I got it because I felt like, okay, if I die, I want to come back. Mm. Um, when we left Halifax, three days out, our steering column broke. And we had no steerage, and it was blowing 60 to 65, which is a, a little bit below a hurricane. The waves were 20 feet tall. And if you were sitting, looking across the ship, it would force you into a stand when it rolled. It was rolling that hard, and we had no steerage. So for 14 hours, they were welding um, a relief system that limped us to Bermuda. It was, it was tricky. Yeah. But you talk about it with a smile on your face. So <clears throat> what kind of impact did it have on your life? I mean, it sounds like a, an adventure of a lifetime. Um, Absolutely. It was the best thing I've ever done. People often ask me if I'd do it again, and my answer is no, I'd do something different. But if I hadn't done it, yeah. I think everybody should spend time on a tall ship. And you and I have talked about this. I think the thing about living on a tall ship is that it's a very hierarchical society. So you have the captain, and then you have the mates, 
and then there's the rest of the crew. And everybody is so tightly pushed together in this society that everybody's actions are felt by others. So if one person has some tick or some grating thing that they do or is messy, it has a very big impact on the shipmates. And everybody is constantly having to take care of the ship together, and she is your, your lifeline. Um, and so you really learn to work together. You really learn to look at what people are doing and see if you can help them. If they're carrying something, can you help them lighten the load? Um, we had a lot of kind of rules on the ship about what was proper and what wasn't. And it was simple things like when you have to wake somebody for a watch, don't touch them. Just speak really quietly. Tell them how the weather is. If it's raining, tell them they need to put on their foul weather gear. Um, if you're a couple, you cannot kiss, hold hands, nothing in public, because there would be times when we were at sea for 30 days. And nobody else wants to look at that when they don't have somebody special around. And people really self-monitored. And also, if somebody was stepping out, the crew would get them in alignment. Rarely did the captain need to step in because that's the way that society works. And it's actually the coolest kids on the ship are the ones who are good shipmates, you know, are the ones who are always there for you, are the ones who pull their weight, who don't leave a mess, who aren't annoying. Working hard and knowing your lines, literally knowing your lines, there's 187 of them on the ship was cool because there are times when if the wind comes up and somebody's aloft working on a sail and the captain yells hands to the fill in the blank line that's got to get cast off immediately or that person could die like something could happen bad so everybody really needs to know what they're doing and you become a very well-oiled machine so was the broken ankle the biggest injury you had on that 19 months? Yeah. But a voyage after us actually lost somebody. Mm. So <clears throat> two questions on, the, on your um, adventure at sea. What was the most miserable moment of the entire trip for you? I had fallen for somebody, and we had gotten together for a short period of time. And then he realized that he was still in love with his girlfriend back on land. And then somebody else showed up to the ship, which he coupled up with. And I had to have intimate view into their relationship. And that was hard. I remember one day thinking, like, I know we're 15 days from land. I'd rather swim. But... That's that was definitely. I'm sorry, that had to be hmm. just not great. Not great. Yeah. No. So conversely, what was one of your moments that maybe if you close your eyes and you think about it, you, you go back to that moment? Um. One of my best friends from college was a black South African, 
named Sandile. And when we came into Cape Town, I hadn't seen him because he had actually gone back to Cape Town. He grew up in the townships, and he went back to gain, get his manhood and live there and be a positive member of the community. His mom had gotten them out of there and become a Pulitzer Prize winning author. I mean, just like amazing. And um, so he took us around to the townships and we went to an ANC rally and which was really interesting because they they put stakes in the ground and then put string between them to keep people contained in certain blocks and then at each line was somebody with a gun guarding it so kind of to keep i think fights contained and the children that were there looked at all of us who are white with total disdain just you are the bad people which i understand the adults were thrilled we were there they were thrilled that we were interested and they'd be like come over here you can see better over here and um their whole thing was we will f- forgive and forget and move on but if you ever challenge us again we will fight and i was just blown away by how kind and welp- welcoming everybody was so it was good friday and i was with four of my shipmates all men and sandile brought us to their church which is like a big circus tent yellow and white circus tent and my buddy todd did pieces he does stuff for npr so he had a big boom mic and we walk in and everyone is really excited to see us and we're walking through the crowd and church is already going and people are singing and everyone is welcome and smiling and they they bring us right up to the bishop who's this big beautiful woman in a blue dress and just powerful woman and she had a little stage by her with five chairs and they kicked the people who were in them out and had us sit in the chairs and um she blessed all of us and she also said to the congregation all right let's show them how we can sing and dance and they sang and they danced and we all cried it was so amazing i mean they they were dancing so hard just sweating and they're like in their sunday best and it was really really beautiful yeah it was really cool i feel lucky to have had it yeah thank you for sharing that well i have something crazy to tell you since christian's first voyage the ship has carried out five more world voyages to date they completed their sixth one in 2014 and I have another fun fact for you the picton castle right now is on her seventh world voyage Right now. Right now. Is she on it? She's not on it. But my question to you is this, my friend. Would you do this adventure? Would you want to circumnavigate on a tall ship? I'd be down for it. Would you? I would love to, but I get crazy seasick. Well, I bet after a couple months on the boat, you wouldn't get seasick anymore. (laughs) It's pretty amazing. Justin, Kristen has some serious adventures under her belt. Has she done anything else that she told you about? What's funny that you bring that up. I asked her the same exact question. And she told me about this tiny little adventure when she went to Tibet. The semester abroad was incredibly powerful because I was living with Tibetans 
Um, the first month we were in Dharamsala where the Dalai Lama is in exile. And so we actually were able to have a private audience with him at his home, castle, I don't know what you call it, palace. Wait a second, I've known you all these years and you've had a meeting with the Dalai Lama. Yeah. That is awesome. Tell me yeah, more. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, so we were all staying with families, and the families dressed us up in traditional Tibetan outfits. And it felt really wrong that we got to go and they didn't. But obviously we went. And um, we went into his palace, and he was seated on a couch, and the 13 of us were kind of seated around the couch. Our director asked questions that we had written down because the Dalai Lama is very shy about his ability to speak English, and it's actually, he's very good at it. But Hubert, our director, felt, oh, you know, if he hears just one voice, it's going to be easier for him to understand. And Hubert had told us a story about a previous group that had gone in, and um, there was one girl in particular who was totally obsessed with nuclear war. This is back in the 80s. Convinced she, that was how our society was going to end. And so her question had something to do with that. And she was seated behind the Dalai Lama. And so Hubert said, one of the students is wondering, blah, 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 blah. And he turned around and looked her in the eye and answered her question to her face. Then... Um, Somebody asked a question, which was, if, it's, if dependence on other things in Buddhism is bad, and I'm butchering this, by the way, how do you feel about marriage? And it was not my question, but I was a very late bloomer. Like, my first boyfriend, I think, was senior year in college. Um, I'm still not married, and I had always thought, like, what's wrong with me? Why, why isn't this happening for me? And also, why don't I um, believe in God and like Christianity? Why doesn't that? Why isn't that part of my life? Mm-hmm. And my boarding school, I had to go to chapel every weekend, so it was constantly something I questioned. And so he looks up and he looks me straight in the eye. And, it, and I've just realized that, like, Tibetan Buddhism actually embodies everything I've ever believed. Mm-hmm. And he says, for some people, uh, marriage is a very good thing. And very often those people are um, uh, East, uh, Western religions are good for them. And for others, maybe marriage isn't something that is needed for them and very often... Eastern religion makes more sense to them. And there's tons of people who are married all around the world who subscribe to this, but it was like he gave me this pass to say, like, don't worry about it. Like, you don't have to be either one of these things. It's you are who you are is how I took it. And I remember just sitting there like a deer in the headlights because he's looking at me right in the eye and just crying because I felt like he could see me. It was it was amazing. So, man, I'm so glad you told me the story. I did not know that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> later that day or that night or the next morning, when you were reflecting on that 
that special time. <clears throat> How did you feel inside, do you recall? I think I felt relieved. I mean, I, I wrote about it. And I'll, every now and then I go back and read it because I, I want to like remember how he said it. Um, I was only 18 at the time, and I spent many years after that looking for Mr. Wright and sort of forgetting that. But what I really realized is I ran to sea because I couldn't start a family. I couldn't find Mr. Wright, couldn't have, obviously wasn't having children. And I found my family at sea. And they're still my family, 20 years later, and we are all thick as thieves. And I just wish that everybody in the world could understand that marriage and kids is amazing. It comes with its hard times, it comes with its magical moments, and being single is equally wonderful and hard, and they're actually wonderful and hard in exactly opposite ways. And, you know, one, you get freedom, one, you don't, one, you have somebody at home, one, you don't. And that whatever life you make, if you have people you care about and who care about you in it, whether or not they share their blood or they share a ring or a commitment, it's all good. Wait, so I'm dying to know what happened to the boy from the ship. Oh, you mean that guy that she kind of fell for that dumped her and then found another... Girl another, on the ship. Another shipmate? Yeah, another shipmate. Uh, what's funny, you, you, you wondered the same thing I did, and I asked her that very question. He went back to that woman, and... The one that he broke up with you for, or the one that he met on the ship? His college girlfriend, okay. who he was missing. His name is a star in Orion, and her name is a star in Orion, and they are meant to be. Oh, that's random. Yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm going to close with this. Um, you are absolutely one of my favorite people. Oh, I love likewise. being around you. I, I, um, I, I'm flattered that you allow me to be an author for you guys. And honestly, part of the reason why I work so hard to get done early is so you and I can go have dinner or go on a hike. <clears throat> Maybe I should edit that part out. But <laughs> what I love about our conversations is just we just, I just, we just talk about you know, life and, and um, kind of our journey. And I just really love that about you. And so tell me, when you get up in the morning, you kind of face the day, you know, um, what are the things that really give you life? Uh, purpose, things to do. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not somebody who can sit down and do nothing. Like I'm wandering until I go to bed and drop. Um, my dog wakes me up and that makes me happy um How's yeah she's awesome oh, she, sorry. no worries she's awesome um just had her 11th birthday but yeah it's it's people i mean it's people and it's creating creating is something i'm really trying to get back to because i was an art major and it just sort of has gone to the wayside so every monday night is studio night so i'm getting back to it yeah. Well, thank you, my friend. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate your time. I love you, too. Thank you, Kristen, for sharing your time and adventures, and for more than anything, being a great shipmate. And speaking of great shipmates, uh, this show is a uh, an idea, an experiment, something that Wills and I want to do together, 
I just want to say to my friend Wills here, this is his last show. You've been an awesome shipmate. Oh, thanks, Justin. Appreciate it. Everybody, um, it's true. This is my last episode with Design Of. Um, my wife and I are actually moving back home, back east. And I uh, just want to thank all of you for being along for the ride. And thank you to my amazing co-host, Justin, for his willingness to figure this out together and the fun and making some really amazing moments happen that I've been proud to experience. And and also, who could forget our audio engineer, Steve Wick, who is just like that fair wind carrying us all into the sunset. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wilson! Wilson! I'm sorry! But no worry to our Design of fans. Although I'm sitting here literally crying right now. (laughs) I um, am excited to have a future episode where you are the guest, Wills. I can't wait. I'm excited for your future. And I want to say also a huge thanks to Rule 29 for giving us the space and resources to create this show. Follow us on Twitter at Design of Podcast and check out our website, rule29.com forward slash design of podcast. And if you haven't yet, please rate us on iTunes. It really helps us share the show with more folks. This is it. This is the last official time as a co-host. What's the sign-off for today? Bon voyage. (laughs) Nicely put. 